If you follow us on Twitter, you know that Tubbs the Club just published its 100th episode last Sunday. What I want to do is take a moment to thank all of our listeners, uh, whether you're a current or former Vandal, whether you're an honorary Vandal, or even the few Eastern Washington or Montana trolls who hate listen to us. We appreciate every single one of you. We value every download and every single donation we see from listeners signing up for a monthly contribution on our Patreon and those who've made one-time donations through our PayPal. Shaw going to be here next time we do an ad read. We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out because here comes the silver and gold. the club for the vandals of idaho welcome back tribe from the north brave and bold the official unofficial podcast of your idaho vandals and the vandals affiliate on the big sky podcast network i'm your host brian today joined by martin aka the tromboner according to chris now and forever heemstra martin how's it going i'm doing good brian how are you (laughs) every time i get to say tromboner i'm doing well today is our official preview of Idaho's men's and women's basketball teams, where we're going to give you all the names, the important facets of each team, so you'll be ready for both Big Sky Conference basketball seasons, which happen to tip off this Thursday. But first, as always, ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic Big Sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho, supporting organizations like CW Hogs and Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get ya ass some snacks. And Martin, it's been a while, mm-hmm. but we're, we're not talking about speculation today. We have games. It's finally here. I am so excited for basketball or just Idaho sports in general. Yeah. And, you know, before we go in, first off, we're going to lead with women's because our women's team is projected to do better. So that's where we're starting. <laughs> but, yeah, it's been nine-ish months. I mean, everyone knows how long this has been going on, but for us recording, seriously, we we try our best to to have concrete stuff we're talking about. It is a thousand times easier to just say, this is who we're playing, and we finally get to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is to say we had way less prep this time, which is great news. Um, Before, (laughs) So Martin's going to take over the women's preview in two seconds, but before we get there, It's important for us to discuss the protocols for the men's and women's season because this season will be different than seasons past. And it's different in a few specific ways. Now, the first thing that is normal, and maybe the only thing that's normal, is we will continue to have a 20-game conference schedule. Typically, we have an 11-team conference. You play each team twice. That's 20 games. That's not how it's going to be this year. Usually, we have travel partners and when we so we travel to Eastern Washington, the team we play on Thursday, Eastern Washington plays Saturday. So, sorry, yeah, Eastern Washington plays Saturday, and the team Eastern played Thursday. We play Saturday. We're not doing the trades like that anymore. 
each team in the Big Sky is going to play 10 total Big Sky teams on back-to-back games, Thursday night, then Saturday morning or afternoon. So, for example, when we play Montana, that week we play Montana twice. We play Montana Thursday evening and then Saturday afternoon, then head back home. There are some non-conference games that have already been played. Our first conference games are this week, and after the couple conference games this week, this is, by the way, all these are the same for men's and women's. After a couple conference games this week, each team has a few non-conference games between now and the end of December. And December 31st and January 2nd is week two of our conference play. And in terms of people attending, though this answer is really school to school, state by state. A lot of a lot of schools are not allowing fans. Idaho is not allowing fans. Now, regardless whether the university wanted to or not, and Idaho's been kind of on the cutting edge of COVID stuff. Uh, the state of Idaho's in stage two recovery, meaning gatherings of over 10 people aren't allowed. So we're just happy that basketball's allowed, but for sure, uh, fans are not going to be coming to Idaho games until the state exits stage two. And due to football, both men's and women's teams will play in Memorial Gym, meaning basketball has officially said goodbye to Cowan Spectrum because we're in ICCU next year. And as always, all home games for all home games for us are streamed on our Pluto channel or Watch Big Sky TV, but really all Big Sky games are on Pluto TV or Watch Big Sky TV. Our channels are now into the our game day channel is now in the thousands. It's like uh, 1,056 or something like yeah, that's around six, there. Six, 60. So it's, it's up. If you just keep going to the 1,000s, you'll eventually get to us. Yeah. On the app, there's a, when, when live events are taking place, there's a button you can click that says live events. And those channels just aren't present when live events aren't going on. But if you look for Idaho's channel on the Pluto stream, where it typically is, you will, you're going to feel lonely looking for it. Cause it's not there anymore. It's a few hundred down but it's still there. And after we've gone through that, that's the way the season is going to be different. And Martin, you ready to take on to tell everyone how the women are going to do this year? Sure. (laughs) It's finally here. Sorry if I'm just excited about it. It's fun to have, it's fun to finally have some Idaho sports to finally watch this, this year after how things ended kind of going back to kind of give people a light, a light refresher of how they did last year. They overall went 22 and nine finishing second in the conference, 10 and two at home, 10 and five away with, I think camera. I think it was like, I think they went two and two at five neutral courts or I think 500 neutral courts. And then they kind of their big games last season were, Double O overtime win against Montana State at Montana State, which gave them their only loss in the conference. Or and then their another one that kind of, I think, set the tone for kind of, kind of described how they were after the Splash Sisters era, which was even after giving up, even after scoring no points in the third quarter against Montana at home, they still were able to beat them, fifty-two to fifty-one, <laughs> and then. Uh, Going and jumping to this season, they are both picked in the. They are both picked number one in the media and coaches poll. That's a weird one. Uh, both picked. We both picked number one in the media and coaches poll. And then with Idaho State number two and tied for number one in the coaches poll, but Idaho gets the. They get the top spot just because they have four over the Idaho State's two. Or do you not know how that stuff? Does it yes, just come? They're tied, and that's it. So the way those those are calculated, because Tubbs of the Club has had mm-hmm. media votes, is really it's kind of a golf score. 
meaning okay. the lowest number of points you get per individual is a higher ranking. So like if I vote and let's say I put Idaho women at number one, they just got one point. And if I put Eastern Washington at number 11 or Weber state at number 11, they just got 11 okay. points. Your slot, uh, whether you're number one, two or 11 is based off your point total. But uh, the, okay. the, these votes always spe- let people know how many people voted for a team for first place. Uh, because that kind of gives that kind of gives you an idea of how many people, how many media figures, how many coaches uh, truly believe which teams could win it. And it's just interesting to see, like in the media, uh, which has more voters than the coaches poll of color, of course. Mm-hmm. Idaho had 16 first place votes. The next highest total was two out of Idaho State, whereas mm-hmm. in the coaches poll, NAU finished third, but they had three first place votes. Um, Idaho had four first place votes, but the team tied with Idaho State, they had two. So uh, women's – if you listen to coaches, the top court, the top four spots in the women's conference is pretty up for grabs. It's always, it's, it always seems to have been kind of going – kind of just kind of go broad for a second. It always – the top four, top five, usually like one word like cut off for the buy for that first round buy in the tournament is it always seems to kind of be that – kind of the top – it always seems to kind of be like a battle for that. And then usually there's usually the – Bottom half has always been kind of a drop off after the top five, six seeds. Back going back to going back to Idaho stuff, going back to conference stuff. I have Gina Markson and uh, Beyonce B were picked for preseason all conference. Preseason all conference team. They were the only Vandals that got selected, which is kind of surprising but hey we'll show them after the season when the when more awards are given out it doesn't really matter what the preseason stuff is that's just that's just more talking stuff for us media folks i think <laughs> they did lose how they did however lose lizzie clinker and lizzie clinker and isabel haddon grad to graduation they both graduated <laughs> and uh Joining the team for them this upcoming season is uh, freshman uh, Sydney Gandy and Paris Ashley, and uh, a JUCO transfer Riley Alexander, and a grad transfer from. It's always good to steal a grad. It's always good to steal a. Always good to steal a transfer player from. Uh, always good to steal somebody from your rivals. Gabby Harrington is a grad transfer from Montana, but she also went to. Uh, Bishop Kelly High School down in, down in southern Idaho. Yeah, Gabby Harrington's kind of the big get for us mm-hmm. to meet in that she she was a contributor at University of Montana. And, you know, University of Montana, they have a new women's head coach um, from a certain Petrino family. Uh, congratulations. <laughs> but, you know, Mon- University of Montana historically has been very good uh, in, in Big Sky Conference. They have not been bad over the last couple of years, but based off what they consider to be their standards, they're not doing quite as well. And a an in-transfer conference like Gabby Harrington moving, objectively moving up uh, in, ter- for com- in terms of competition purposes, going to Idaho yeah. is not only a big get for us because we get a big sky contributor, someone we've seen do well in the conference. Mm-hmm. But uh, to me, it's a, it's a pretty big signal that, you know, Idaho's women's team, and Idaho State too will give credit to the uh, to the people down south. Bengals. Yeah, uh, that's that's the top of the conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Oh gosh, I'm transfer this. Like, 
kind of talking about Gabby still. It's kind of, I think, I kind of view her as how it's kind of hard to compare player to player, but I kind of view her as that same. And like they remember watching of Montana games. It's kind of, I kind of maybe view her as maybe a Lizzie Clinker replacement. If that kind of makes sense, kind of that older, older team player that'll come kind of tra- that transferred in after playing somewhere else to kind of help lead the team or be that kind of plug and play player that just knows that you'll always, you'll always get a guaranteed and you always know what you're going to get from Gabby, you know, from game to game. You're not going to, they're always consistent. They'll always give you that, maybe that five, six, seven, nine points a game, seven rebounds, something like that. And just have that senior, senior, more elder role in the team. Yeah. If we are talking, uh, if we talk outside of sports or we talk about mm-hmm. pro sports, it's, it's weird to say this about college athletes, but she, she's a, she's a veteran. Mm-hmm. She knows her way around the con. She's been she's played in the conference, so she knows what to expect and how each team plays going in and going in and out. Now, moving on to more of my more of another fun topic I love to talk about is the sign. Though they're not going to be playing this year, but uh, their twenty twenty one signees they just signed in this most recent signing class about two 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 and a half weeks ago. Uh, they signed Skyler B. Uh, Beyonce's sister played guard from Washougal, Washington. And sorry to any of these incoming freshmen if I mispronounce your names at all. I'm sorry I'll learn them properly. McKenna Jacqueline from Kelowna, British Columbia. Madison Rubino from Snohomish, Washington. Jordan Allred from Orinda, California. And Ashlyn Wallace from Clarkston, Washington. It's another – those are the five they signed. And I don't – unless we have someone to surprise transfer out or anything, I don't expect them to sign anybody else this class. But I'm sorry for that. I it's another great John Newley class and just how they they just have a lot of plug and play players and just kinda I wouldn't I don't want to put pressure on one person in particular, but like some of these players like you John Newley has a type of player for certain positions and you can tell who who they got is is a John Newley like a John Newley point guard, for example. Yeah, but you know, I'm gonna shift this back really quick because yeah. We are, of course, ecstatic for oh, yeah. all new Vandals, uh, particularly mm-hmm. in basketball season. We're excited for all of our, uh, all the women joining our. I mean, honestly, it's we're we're kind of a dynasty at this point. In mm-hmm. uh, it's a short term dynasty, made the NCAA tournament multiple times, multiple conferences. Um, you know, just kind of the state of women's basketball too in the Big Sky is that the Idaho schools are on top, which is was mm-hmm. interesting just compared to the men's. But question for you, Martin. Mm-hmm. We finished second in conference last year. We mm-hmm. are picked to win the conference. Do I mean? Do you feel that you know past is prologue, and that we had a good season last year with younger players, and fans should expect that to capitalize in the conference championship, something like that? I think so. I think. I think so. I think they've earned the. Once they earned is the right word, but I think it's. I think, as Vanderbilt fans, we should come to expect them to be always fighting for that top spot, fighting for the top two, top three, even just fighting for that top, fighting for that top four spot, top four blot, that the buy in the play in the conference tournament stand for the conference tournament. I think that we should always be expecting them to be fighting for the for the top spots in the conference year in and year out, even if it's considered a down year. 
in in regards to that, Martin, um, mm -hmm. you know, you're you're the women's basketball expert we have on here. Mm -hmm. Walk us through. You know, let's let's pretend our listeners are have not watched as many women's games as you, mm -hmm. either in person yeah. or on the fantastic Pluto stream. Who are who are the big names you think people should be paying attention to? I think the obvious ones are going to be going to be Gina Markson because she's she can do it all. Defense, offense, shooting, and her cousin is another Vandal great too, so runs in the family. <laughs> I think if we're looking maybe outside of, I th I'd say those two are kind of like the top, the the number one two. I think another one that I'll throw out there is a uh, Haley Christopher. She can, she's another player that can do it all, like be on speak and drive in and get those let you those hard to get layups. Or can step back and take a three if nobody's covering her. She's done that year and she's done that in the two years she's been here so far and nobody seems to want to cover her when it's behind the behind the behind the three-point line and you know relating another question i have for listeners which is two years ago when you know that was the the splash sisters era michaela friends taylor pierce idaho was uh we played a pretty fast pace we, which is to say that we didn't play defense, of course, but that was the trademark. And if you listen to Big Sky Media, the thing that people kind of took joy in was the ultimate green light that Michaela Ferenc, Taylor Pierce had, which meant, you know, a lot of threes, pretty fast pace. Mm -hmm. Now we essentially had to rebuild a quote unquote rebuild, but it was a reload mm -hmm. for, for last season. And we kind of turned what people might've thought of the traditional um, Idaho women's basketball script on its head where, we actually weren't even in the top half of the league offensively. We were the number eight scoring team in conference at 65.6 points a game. But what won us a ton of games is we were the best scoring defense in the league, giving up 58.8 points a game. A little bit, I mean, the, the pace isn't exactly the same as it was in the mm -hmm. Taylor Pierce, Michaela Ferenz era. But, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big shift to go from mm -hmm. uh, a team that their calling card was pace and space to a team that the thing we have to rely on the most is our defense, which it worked fine for us last year. Second place in conference made to the conference finals before uh, something that shall not be named killed the game. But do you, I mean, do you expect this year to be similar to last season? Do you expect it to be some sort of hybrid maybe between this I, season and the year before where there's a little bit more pace? I think so. There'll be a little more pace. I I think the defense will still be there. They still have the people. I think will be more of the the. I think it'll be more hybrid. I think it'll will be a hybrid. It'll be more offense. I think the defense will still be there. You still have the key defensive players like Allison Kirby and Natalie Klinker there to kind of get the get the go up and get the rebounds or play the defense on the outside. I and then I think with the players they brought in and. I think the play with the players they brought in kind of lean more towards the offensive as the offensive side of things. They'll be able to pick it up and go and do pick it up and fill the spot on offense and bring us bring the offensive back up so we're not in the bottom half of the offense like we were last year. Yeah, you know what? That sounds that sounds about right. You know, and I'm I am excited this year to see more Gina Markson, point guard, averaged about averaged just over 13 points a game last season. Uh, she's a she's in her third year as a Vandal, and 
uh, honestly, to me, that's that's kind of that's the if there's one player that I'm excited about seeing her development, it's Gina Markson, mm-hmm. where she went from you know she played meaningful minutes as a freshman, of course, but yeah, that, that again that was the Michaela Ferenc Taylor Pierce year, and last year. Um, you know, of course, it, it, you might call it a more balanced effort, but I would, I mean, I feel safe saying, you know, she was the starting point guard, led the team in scoring, led the team in assists. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the keys to the car were kind of hers. So, oh yeah, you sound like you you um, you buy Idaho yeah. as winning the <laughs> conference, or if we don't win yeah. the conference, top three finish. Yeah, I'd, I'd say top three confident. I yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. Okay. And before we uh, transition over to men's, I have a. Do you see any sort of schedule highlights you think listeners should should be aware of? I think the big one is Battle of the Palouse for for the women's finally potentially happening unless things change. I think that is kind of that has been a game I have been wanting for for a very very long time. It's. One that Terry, if you're listening, please make it a doubleheader like the men's, like the like the Eastern Washington games are. I would really love that. I think it'd be a fun. It'd be. It was be a, it would be a fun thing to have. I think, especially a lot more fans. Maybe have that for the double. Maybe have that for the opener next year. I yeah, and also playing, also playing Texas too is another kind of big kind of cool. Play another power five or top team in the nation. Yeah. So our women open up when, just like our men, women open up this Thursday, December 3rd against Sacramento state, but they're opening up in Moscow. That game tips mm-hmm. off 6 PM. The Saturday, the encore of Idaho, Sacramento state and Moscow takes place at noon Saturday. But then in between that first slate of games, those first two games, we have three non-conference games that Martin just alluded to two of them. We have, we're at university of Texas on December 9th. That's a Wednesday. We are at Washington state for the battle of the Palouse, December 13th. That's a Sunday final non-conference game versus Seattle. U, meaning in Moscow on December 21st, then back to NA. Then we have NAU at Flagstaff for the women. So, before we transition over, Mark Martin, any any last part, any last things, any last any corner stool takes that uh, you think will be able to launch us into our men's preview? I, I, I got. No, I, I think they're. I say expect great things for this year, though. I think it'll be. I think this year it'll be a lot. I think those be expect good things from the women's team this year. They have a lot of key contributors returning this year. And I think we all like the preview, like the what's the preview, like the like the preseason polls project kind of project. They project us to be number one. I think we're going to be up there again. You heard it from the man himself, guys. And so we're going to shift over to men's in a second. But before before that, we have maybe my favorite ad read we're ever going to do. If you follow us on Twitter, you know that Tubbs the Club just published its 100th episode last Sunday. And I can tell you guys, I was not one of the founding members of the Tubbs the Club podcast. Mr. Uh, Mr. Heemstra, the tromboner, was, to my knowledge. Uh, but it wasn't that, wasn't that long ago 
that I was sending Tubbs at the club very long emails as a uh, Twitter messages as a fan listener because I felt like I finally had someone taking Idaho footballs as seriously as I do. And what I want to do is take a moment to thank all of our listeners, uh, whether you're a current or former Vandal, whether you're an honorary Vandal, like a certain um, Gary Hill, who, you know, an honorary Vandal who, where you didn't graduate from the University of Idaho, but you rep our Vandals as much as anyone else, or even the few Eastern Washington or Montana trolls who hate listen to us. We appreciate every single one of you. We value every download and every single donation we see from listeners signing up for a monthly contribution on our Patreon and those who've made one-time donations through our PayPal. No Tubbs the Club contributor has taken any sort of paycheck from those donations Every single penny goes to keeping the lights on and the show running. So if you like what we're doing, consider signing up uh, for a monthly donation at patreon.com slash tubs at the club or make a one-time gift at paypal.me backslash tubs at the club. Again, every listener, thank you. Every donation, thank you again. So with that, men's basketball, Martin. And... Mm -hmm. It is just a different world when we talk about men's basketball. And it's, I, it's night and day. It, yeah. It, like, I know if I'm just like looking at the polls, it kind of seems like if you just turned them upside down, it, they almost kind of look inverse of each other. They just – oh, boy. Yeah, so spoiler alert. Uh, men were unanimous – men were picked last in both the media and coaches' poll. And I'm not going to beat the past to death, but I do think it's worth acknowledging where, where we're at right now. Uh, as far as the men's season, the men's outlook, this is year two uh, under Zach Kloss. This is his first, what some people might call full quote unquote, full season, as in he had a full recruitment, full, you know, full summer, full recruitment, recruitment. So full recruitment for his own guys, not just exactly. So, yeah. Verlin ish guys. Exactly. A full spring, spring, summer recruitment time. Uh, no, let's say, quote unquote, last minute additions that really we needed just to have enough guys. But last year did happen. We finished over eight and 24 overall, four and 16 in the big sky, which is tied for last with Idaho State. Minor asterisk to those wins came against sub D1 teams. So against D1 opponents, we were six and 24 last year. And uh, we also had two exhibition losses to uh, Central Washington and Lewis and Clark State College. That comes that now that season that came right after a 2018-19 season where we went three and 26 versus D1 teams with another exhibition loss to LCSC and just a regular loss to Northwest Nazarene. So that's a two-year run, and I know it's not one coach, but just so everyone knows where we're starting, that's a two-year run of nine and 50 versus Division One teams a.k.a. fewer wins than Montana's football team won in their last season. And last year, our, men, our men's season wasn't cut short by coronavirus. We lost in the first round of the Big Sky Conference Tournament to Southern Utah. And a couple stats, just to give context where we're at, we had the worst scoring margin in the Big Sky. At uh, We were outscored by 10 points a game. We were the number 10 scoring offense at 63.6 points a game. The number nine scoring defense is where we gave up 73.6 points a game. We had the, we were last place in turnover margin where we had a negative 3.95 turnover margin, which means we turned the, we on average turned the ball over about four more times uh, than we had assists. 
And maybe the the most the, the clearest number to let you know how the last two seasons went is our home attendance average was down to just over a thousand last season, which is to say uh, you could have socially distanced uh, last season yeah. when you didn't need to. <laughs> but, we're, but what we care about, of course, is this year. Uh, but it is important to understand the the quote unquote rebuild we're looking at is as profound as in the Leonard Perry era. Uh, so that is the ta- that's the task ahead of Zach Kloss. So shifting back to those polls real quick, uh, Eastern Washington was picked first place by both the coaches and the media. University of Montana was picked second by coaches and media. Uh, the rest is a little bit scattershot, whereas uh, like the coaches' polls had Weber State at number three, but the media had Weber State at number five. We're not going to go through the rest. You can look those up. The big deal for you guys, Eastern Montana, both unit, both number one and two. Idaho State and Idaho, both 10 and 11. So shockingly, um, or not so shockingly, Idaho had no players selected to the preseason All-Big Sky team. David, Jacob Davison from Eastern Washington was picked as a preseason MVP. <laughs> and we have not, just like the women, we have not yet seen this men's team play because our first games were canceled uh, due to coronavirus concerns. But we open up this Thursday, December 3rd at, at 5 at Sacramento State. Then we play Saturday, December 5th at 10.35 in the morning at Sacramento State, followed by a short non-conference slate. And I'm only bringing this up. And Martin, I'm going to ask you about a key game in a second and then talk about the season. Uh, non-conference, we have at Washington State, uh, December 9th at 6, at Cal Bakersfield, Saturday, December 12th, time to be announced. At number one, Gonzaga, Monday, December 14th at 6, final non-conference game is at Utah, uh, University of Utah, the Pac-12 team, on Friday, December 18th, time to be announced. And then, just like our women, we have our second slate of Big Sky games against NAU, except we host uh, first one's December 31st. So first question for you, Martin, before I jump into what we should look for in this team, thoughts on finally having Gonzaga back on the schedule? I'm excited. I hope it's like, although maybe travel concerns, travel restrictions might have played a role in it. It's kind of fun to fun to be playing Gonzaga again. I know women played them two years ago in 2018, 2019 season. And it was, yeah, I'm just excited to play another local team. We haven't not played in a while. You are much more optimistic than me. Uh, it might be good for us that we'll, we'll be, that I think it's that. like, it's also, it's the one to kind of cook out about the Gonzaga thing. It'll be like, if you were to, if I, if, I don't know, like the exact, I know we're not probably like rankings wise, we're probably not the last, last in rankings, but or essentially, I'd say polar opposites. It'd probably be a kind of a good thing to say. Like they're the top, and we're like the bottom of everything. We, it'll be kind of fun to. It'll be interesting to see how much we get beat by. <laughs> okay, so at least, we're, at least we're on the same page there. I yeah. think it is probably long term great for if we can get competitive, uh, because mm-hmm. that's an actually televised game, and it's just more fun to me when we have some local teams. But am I excited that when we our first matchup against Gonzaga is when they're number one and our us Idaho in Ken Palm rankings were about three we're in the three thirties that could have come at a better year but we're going to transition mm-hmm. from that and the the reason I gave you guys all that context is because I think it is important before we preview the men's season to decide what should we even look for because 
we, we just went nine and 50 in two years against D one teams that there's reason that's that our attendance is down. Uh, there's reason that some people might be ready to not even really pay much attention to, to the men's basketball team, but I think you should. And really the thing that I think is important to remember about basketball compared to let's say football is you don't need a class of 15 players in basketball to turn a team around. We lost about six guys from last year's team, uh, a couple to graduation, Trayvon Allen, all conference player, 21 points, 21.6 points per game. We're going to miss him. But even with that all conference, we finished last, even with an all conference player like Trayvon, we finished last in the conference. Uh, so we lost him graduation. Markel Frazier, uh, grad transferred to Detroit Mercy. Quentin Forrest graduated. And then we had guys who other other people who just transferred or left the program. Uh, Jackson Woodward, who is just no longer on the basketball team. He didn't really play much last year. He was a cool story to be on the football and basketball team, but he's no longer with us on the team, that is. Not metaphorically speaking, of course. Uh, Keisha Dixon transferred out. BJ Simmons, who some people might have been excited about if you saw like our first four games last year. Uh, he looked like he could have been a good contributor, but then he was injured, then he was gone. Uh, he transferred out. That's a total of about six roster spots, which means, you know, the bad news, we had a rough season last year, but the good news, we have a 50% of our team is new. And if we're going to be a good team, it's going to be because of some of those new players that we, some of those, you know, six or so new roster, new roster spots that we have. So I'm about to go over some of the new faces on the team, but so you guys are where in my mind, our key returners are our leading returning scorer Scott Blakeney at eight points per game. That's the depth of um, what we have to replace scoring wise. Cause you know, even if we only score 65 ish points a game again, we only have a, an, our leading score has eight points per game coming back. Points are going to come somewhere. Uh, we also have Jack Wilson, former four-star transfer from Oregon state. Um, you know what, Martin? I'm going to ask you about Jack Wilson in a second after I get to these next two guys. Then Javeri Christmas and Damon Thacker. Now, all all four of those guys, uh, by the way, uh, Christmas and Thacker, both guards. Those are all all those guys are fine complementary pieces. Where you know, if let's say it wouldn't be shocking to find out there's a world where Scott Blake and he had made the Eastern Washington roster and was playing a little bit for the Eastern Eagles. Or it wouldn't be shocking to find out that University of Montana said, yeah, we'll take a flyer on Jack Wilson. And he made their roster and maybe and came off the bench or maybe he's healthy and he's starting. But none of those guys are all big sky candidates in my mind. Uh, they're all complementary pieces who need some of those uh, bigger, bigger names, let's say, uh, bigger talents to to work with because if Scott Blake needs your number four score, that's a great team. If Scott Blake needs your number one is going to be your number one option, uh, that that's that's a long season. But before we shift to new faces, Martin out of Scott Blakeney, Jack Wilson, Javeri Christmas, and Damon Thacker, which of those guys are you kind of interested to see if they make some sort of developmental jump? I. I'm kind of I'm interested to see if uh, I'm interested to see uh, Javari kind of see if he can maybe take a jump up and maybe become more of a a scoring I don't say scoring threats right word just more productive I mean I say productive just I'm interested to see Javari kind of see him kind of take the take a step up this year I know he's kind of like I follow him on Twitter a lot and he talks a lot and I think he just he's excited to get back out there and I hope he can be the one to maybe take over the number one spot if 
to maybe take jump over Scott Blakeney and get the number one scoring spot. Hopefully, have some more key contributors to the team. You know, he's a he's a little bit more of an energy kind of guy. Uh, where you know, he's, he's a real strong athlete, no question. And he had a couple games where he scored all right. You know, he, he can hit threes okay. He's not an explosive three-point shooter by any means, but he's a, he's a solid player. Uh, that's part of why I call, in my mind, him. He's another version of a, of a complimentary piece that we just need the pieces that those complimentary pieces complement. Now, the guy I'm curious about is a lot of people are pretty excited for Jack Wilson last year, seven-foot center pretty good athlete um he went he transferred here after you know his senior year of high school he sat out the entire year because of back injury then he's at oregon state and for one reason or another it it didn't appear to work out and i know when we saw him play i i thought it still looked like he was working himself into shape not to say he which isn't a comment on him taking care of himself or anything it's that if you had a serious enough back issue to miss a year and part of the following season it's just going to take time to get back to the type of athleticism, the type of, you know, shape that being a D one athlete requires. And that's just not, that isn't simply cardiorespiratory. That's the, if you had a back injury, you have to every, anyone who's an older vandal knows you got a back injury. You got to rebuild your back. And that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, but uh, Javari Christmas, Jack Wilson are both, I mean, they're both, uh, they're both two guys who I think could take developmental leaps. Now I don't, out of those two, I'd say Jack Wilson's the most likely to be mm-hmm. on conference, but, but I don't know if – I mean, I wouldn't predict Jack Wilson at all conference right now. Uh, okay. Really, we make a turnaround. I think it's going to be because of a few of the new faces that are on this team. And we're about to go over a few of those faces. Now, spoiler alert, because our first answer co- were transferred due to – were canceled due to COVID, what we've been able to do is research stats, research a little bit of clips. Uh, Martin, were you able – I mean, did, did you have any guys who you saw huddle tapes or something like that from? Uh, not any of the more recent players. I know people were, I, the one person I kind of saw a little bit on was, uh, AJ Youngman when he committed last year, but I think he had to sit out because of, he had to sit out because of injuries or something. I can't remember exactly what he, what his situation was, but I remember people were kind of high on him last year. Yeah. You know, we can start there. And the best way we can preview this, guys, is we can talk about the type of player these guys appear to be. Now, is there a chance that our assessments turn out to be slightly different once we once these guys are seeing Division One reps? Yeah, of course. But we're working with all we got. And because we have six new faces, I think it's important for listeners to be acquainted with a few of them. And the first, first one we can start with is we have A.J. Youngman, transfer guard from Otero College. And the big thing from him, he's a shooter. And that was something we lacked on our team. To me, we lacked that last year. Uh, we shot one of the, actually, this might surprise people. And it surprised, sometimes it surprises me, but sometimes not. Idaho shot a pretty high three point percentage relative to the league last year, but we don't shoot very many threes. And now I'm not going to get into a shooting threes versus not shooting threes discussion. But it is safe to say three-point shooting did not win a ton of games for Idaho last year. And, you know, we get a guy, yeah, we shot 35.9% from the field on threes last year. That was third best in league. But we made the fewest threes in the league. We made 92 threes on the season. Trayvon made a ton of those, and he's gone. And a guy, you know, again, we lacked. 
Trayvon was an explosive scorer. I wouldn't have called. I wouldn't call him an expl- an explosive shooter. AJ Youngman, forty five percent from three at junior college. That's that's a guy who's a candidate to be expo- an explosive shooter, which means a guy who can hit, you know, four or five threes. On, you know, can get hot and hit four or five threes in a game. Cam Tyson, for listeners, was one of the most explosive shooters we've ever seen. Uh, another guy who we're excited for because uh, of his father's presence on all vandals and also a couple hashtag ASTATCs we're going to get to is uh, center Tanner Christensen, six foot ten, sp- from Spokane Valley, graduated from University High School, just spent two years on a mission. So, good news for him, he didn't have a season cut short, and you know it may take time again. Uh, and I think this is the thing that happens with things like BYU football, SUU football Mm. is the guys go on the mission and look, the point of your mission isn't training for football, training for basketball. Um, But the benefit, a benefit is you're a 20 year old freshman. You know, you're a little bit more of a developed man by the time you're starting, which Tanner's going to be a candidate to see minutes at center and at power forward. We're going to see obviously how he looks, but we really, we have, we have two set two forward centers and Jack Wilson, Scott Blakeney, uh, Baba Karthi Ambain off the bench plays some forward spot, some of the forward, but I didn't no way be shocked if we see some good minutes out of Tanner Christensen this year at, you know, at a post position. Uh, another guy that you may have heard of Martin, Ethan Kilgore, freshman yeah. from Gower, Missouri. He has been a guy a lot of people are talking about as maybe he, he might be someone who sees some meaningful minutes, average 25.6 points a game as a senior in high school, uh, my understanding is he he's kind of a he's the type of guard who can do a little bit of it all. Uh, puts can put the ball on the floor. Uh, is a pretty good is also a pretty good shooter. Isn't the fastest guy on the floor, but is certainly not slow. Um, you you've heard good things in regards to Ethan, of course, as well. Oh yeah, I think he's been he's been the only one that I've actually watched tape of. I remember when he first committed, I was like, oh, I should probably watch a little of him. And it, I liked what he saw. He can he's. I think I'll be intrigued to see how he can how he how he plays how much he plays as a freshman and how much he picks up the the D one game and Big Sky basketball in general. Yeah, and we we've seen impact freshmen, uh, and also we we've seen guys who can stay four years in the program and develop. Stephen Madison is always the go to example of that, but uh, Victor Sanders not a bad one either. And last couple of guys we'll run through quickly. We have Kendall McHugh, point guard, transfer from College of Southern Idaho. He is a he's a sophomore, averaged ten point six points a game there at Southern Southern College Southern Idaho, and shot thirty eight percent from three. We have DeAndre Robinson, guard transfer from Tallahassee Community College, where he average he's a junior. He averaged fourteen point one points per game and shot forty eight percent from three as a freshman at Division two Wheeling. Then transferred to Tallahassee, had injury issues, didn't play a ton. And then we have Hunter Jack Madden, guard from Sydney, Australia. And was he was a developmental player for the Sydney Kings. Uh, it's part of the NB, NBL National Basketball League. Uh, it's the professional league in Sydney, Australia. So, of those guys, Martin, do you have a specific player you're most excited you're most excited to see, or you're most curious about? I, I, I'm interested to see like another another one is I think DeAndre. I think he could be like kind of like AJ. Like even though it was D two. Like having another guy that can shoot the three, I think will be is will be instrumental if, if for Idaho to not be a basement dweller in the Big Sky Conference again this year. If he can come in and shoot that or shoot 
shoot uh, in that general range, I think will be a huge boost to the Idaho offense this year. Yeah, there, there is no question what we're looking for right now is guard play. A conference like the Big Sky Conference, be, just because of its size, we, we're not going to get a ton of seven-foot centers who can also shoot threes and you know, who have 40-inch verticals. Those guys are you know going to Power 5 conferences. They're there for a year, and they mm-hmm. leave. Uh, because of that composition, the Big Sky just tends to be a guard-driven league. Now, it doesn't mean having great posts can't get you wins because of obviously it can't. You know, we at Idaho remember having B.J. Blake, first-team all-league power forward for us. That was a huge boon, and part of why that team, which uh, that was Vic Sanders as a senior, that team disappointed in losing in, in their first conference tournament game, but part of why they're as good as they were is because we had a post presence. And Zach Kloss... Yeah, I'm going to jump into our hashtag AskTATC or what we call now hashtag AskTubs. Uh, Kurt Christensen asked, can you compare and contrast offensive, defensive philosophies between Coach Kloss and Coach Verlin? I mean, they're, they're really similar. Uh, and from what we saw, it was pretty close to carbon copy of a lot of the offensive sets are pretty similar. Uh, it's a motion offense kind of famous in coaching circles as be, as coming from Stu Morrill and uh, Don Verlund was definitely a, uh, he, you know, he came from the Stu Morrill system and Zach Kloss then came from Verlin. Uh, so it's there to me from the, from last, those two seasons, I actually, there wasn't a ton of difference in my mind in play style, uh, which means, you know, Idaho is similar to Montana where we do like to try to establish the post a little bit more than other teams. And part of what we can see reflects that is we we're shooting way less threes than other teams. But, um, you know, everyone who, who watches basketball, Martin, I mean, you, you know, this from watching women, you know, this from watching the men, whether you want to be, if you want to be a wing team, it's helpful to have a post like Eastern Washington as Tanner Groves, they spread the floor and then Tanner Groves gets one-on-one matchups in the post. He gets easier buckets. That's great for them. If you're a team like Idaho, where you try to go in the post first, Having three-point shooters is is important because, one, if our post is doing well, then you're going to collapse the defense. You're going to kick out to get open shots. And that's a little bit more of the model that Zach Kloss teams go for, at, meaning like the type of threes they get are more likely to be offset plays or they're more likely to be off at kickouts, whereas a team like Eastern Washington, they are fine shooting a three five seconds into the shot clock, you know, if they're kind of in – if they're in – you know, transition or something like that. Uh, but not a huge amount of difference between uh, Verlin and and Kloss in my mind at this point. But we're going to see because uh, this is Ver- this is Kloss's first year where it's all essentially all his guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, does that mean we're going to that the his offense is going to look that different? Uh, maybe maybe not that different. But maybe w- when he's able to recruit his own guys, he's able to fill holes in a way just approach filling holes, let's say, in a way that was different than Don Verlin. But similar to Don Verlin, really, if we have a big turnaround year, when when Verlin took over for Pfeiffer, what happened is he hit a home run on some transfers and freshmen, uh, mostly transfers. But he he really hit a home run with guys like Mac Hobson. Um, man, I, oh, Marvin Jefferson, too, was another at, at the post, another home run we hit. We're going to – if Idaho's going to be solid – Kurt, and if this if our play style even style is even going to matter, which I think it will, we're we're going to have to hit a couple home runs on the new guys. 
we're going to, and we're going to have to see developmental strides from someone like Jack Wilson, someone like Scott Blakeney. Scott Blakeney is a much better shooter now than he was as a freshman. Uh, maybe that can push him into 11 or 12 point a game score. I don't know. I don't think it's safe for any Vandals to think we're going to have a first team all league player candidate like Trayvon Allen this year. But if we can have a few guys who can score double figures, we, we might be able to start contending for, for middle of the conference. Uh, is that similar to kind of to how you, to your take Martin? Yeah, it is. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't expect a whole lot this year. I don't, I say, like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say I don't expect anything from them this year, but I'm kind of taking this year as like, this is like kind of coach, coach Klaus's first kind of blank slate and he gets to do what he wants and not just, he's kind of just an interim guy. Can't really do a whole lot. Then he seems to steady the ship and get things on the right track. I think it's, if they have players that kind of pop off and get those 10 points, get everything going. I think you're right to kind of expect the middle of the pack, maybe fighting for a final buy in the conference in the conference tournament. And, you know, that's a great transition to a hashtag ask tubs, almost said the wrong way. Hashtag ask tubs from a guy listeners might be familiar with. It's some guy at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond. He asks kind of two questions, which is, uh, is the men's team really the worst? The big sky seems wrong to me. And, why is it we are so content being a bottom tier men's team after a decade or so being a better to upper echelon conference team? I'm going to answer those both, which is I'm going to say talent wise. I feel safe saying, I don't think Idaho is last talent wise. I think teams that we can definitely, if we hit, we need to hit a couple home runs on these younger guys, but Northern Arizona, Idaho State, Sacramento, and Sacramento State are all teams we should say we should presume. If we hit a couple home runs, we should leapfrog those three immediately. Idaho State's played a couple a few games this year that have not been canceled due to COVID. They look absolutely terrible. They're scoring the ball significantly worse than we were last year. They're turning the ball over significantly more than we were last year. So if we can be if we can just be steady with last year, that's a team we might leapfrog anyway. But I don't, you know, Chris, this is a, this is really a thing that's interesting to me about Vandal Sports, which is the basketball team looks pretty solid under Verlin. I honestly think it's kind of a defense mechanism to, to let's say, be content where both of us are talking about this as a rebuilding year because it is, and that fans should temper their expectations because they should. I, I won't say that I think a lot of people, for example, like Kirk Christensen, he's, he is not hoping his son's team is bottom of the conference. But I am pretty sure it, it's tempering expectations because, like this team, the Big Sky has some very good teams in the conference. Univ- University of Montana gets G five level recruits. Heck, they have what uh, one of their one of their transfers, Stedman from San Jose State, averaged thirteen points a game at a G five school. You know, th- this is who we're competing with. We have to do well to win this conference. We have to do well to compete with the top of the conference. Eastern Washington, just they almost beat WSU. They should have beat WSU. And Eastern only played six guys, like a men's league team, because they had so many people out for coronavirus. The top of our conference here is pretty good. There is some stability in the coach- in coaching between guys like Travis Secure at Montana, Randy Ray at Weber State, and um, Shantae Leggins in Eastern Washington. So to me, I mean, I- I'm not – I don't think a lot of Vandal fans are saying, hey, it's fine that we're not very good. I think we're mostly accepting that the entire athletic department's been in a transition and we need 
we need to see results from the men's team, but we have to acknowledge the depths of where we're coming from. And like a, you know, a top three finish is unreasonable in my mm-hmm. mind is so how, how do you feel about that idea of, you know, is this team the worst versus, you know, do, are we setting the wrong expectations? I, I don't think they are the worst, though I will say after the last two years watching them play the last two years, I think they have definitely earned the preseason the preseason spot of being worst and being picked worst in conference because they haven't shown anything. I mean, they lost to they lost a bunch of they've lost games to non D one comp teams. It's like they've earned the bottom the bottom spot in the conference. Yeah, and you know what? We talk about this off camera, and I'm gonna we got to close this up pretty quick. So I'm gonna go uh, after answering here. We're gonna do our final hashtag ass tubs. But I did a quick research project going over last two rosters heading into this season. And the good news about this season is it's a it's really close to a new roster. So the the frustration, any frustrations we had from last season, and we obviously appreciate every Vandal who's played for us, but. Part of the issue last year was lack of talent and half of our roster is different. So we have essentially six shots to, if we can hit a couple home runs, that's a huge difference. But two, I looked at the roster from two years ago. That was Verlin's last season. It's, um, and, uh, Chris just sent us a message. So apparently I misinterpreted that. We'll go back to it. But, um, the, the roster from Verlin's last season, they're all essentially gone. And, a couple stayed in Moscow. Uh, Trayvon stayed. Scott Blakeney stayed. But of all the transfers, we had like eight, around eight guys transfer from that roster. Only three even made a D1 team afterward. Five, five or six, are were not just simply were not D1 players. Last season, we we lost Trayvon to graduation. We lost uh, Quentin to graduation. Quentin was a fine player, but you know he was he was another complimentary piece. Markel had injury issues. He transferred over D1, but he was another complimentary piece. And a lot of the other guys that we lost, they, they're not on D1 rosters. So, like, the issue is a lot of our young guys, we just weren't hitting home runs uh, or even doubles, let's say, with some of our new guys. But, again, we have half a new roster. So that's what we need to look at is of the new roster, who can be the pieces that our Scott Blakeneys and our Jack Wilsons and our Javeri Christmases are complementary pieces to. Um, but, Chris, in case I answered this wrong – um, I don't believe I wasn't trying to say that it's good to have low expectations. I was just trying to explain like, why would people have low expectations? Like what's a reasonable explanation for why that seems to shake out? Uh, cause I mean, obviously we want our Vandals to be top of the league, just like we've talked about football. It looks like a turnaround season, but a high note to come close to ending the show on another hashtag asked to help to Kirk Christensen. He asked, how will IC, the ICC arena stack up against other big sky venues? And Martin, I want to hear your take on this first before I give mine. I, I haven't been to that many other big sky venues. I've I've seen like what Eastern has uh, through Big Watch Big Sky. The only one I've been to was uh is it Dahlberg Arena for Montana? Correct. That's correct. I went to my I went to Dahlberg for one game when the when we traveled when the band traveled to Missoula for the tournament in 2013 I think it was 2014 and it was it it'll stack up the Dahlberg I think it compares very nicely to what Montana has I think it's it's it'll be smaller I, th- I can't remember exactly what Dahlberg has but it'll be 
I think it'll be up there with some of the with the top teams in the conference. So what I'm going to say. Oh, and Chris is jumping on. He is. Chris Uh-oh. is here to correct Uh-oh. the record. Chris is here to correct the record. Okay, uh, Martin, can you? Do you know how to? So okay, I gotta let Chris in before I give my answer. To <laughs> Apparently, see, this is the problem. Chris, this is the problem. Oh boy, Ron Marceau, substitute teacher, doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Driving us off. <laughs> hey, he got me in real quick. He got me in real quick. So one, wow, my hat is all crooked for people watching. But one, Sounders win. Heck yeah. Two, so I, I followed a bit. So you might have answered. I got bits and pieces of your answers there while I was running up the stairs celebrating the win. My complaint, and so sorry if you already answered it. So I'm going, what was it? Just two years ago, we were the number two preseason, or number one preseason, correct? In men's? I'm talking men's hoop. Yeah. Yeah. So we went from preseason number one, and then you go back to the early Verlin, not early Verlin years, but, you know, the 2010, 11, 12, 13, constantly a three seed, a four seed, a two seed, losing the rounds the thing that the bothers me the most is we look at where we're at now and we seem very complacent with being like like when i saw the preseason rankings and i was like i get it last year sucked but i expected maybe we get ninth eighth tenth even maybe in the preseason polls the fact that we finished last bothers me and i guess i'm asking brian as somebody who definitely follows the team closer to me or, or closer than i do why is it that we are I, – I, and I'm not saying us, right, because we cover the right. team, but as a whole, I feel the Vandal Nation isn't expecting more out of this team. And I get Zach Clawson in his first year, but, I mean, for all intents and purposes, is the second year. Yes, first year, totally in control. But my biggest complaint with going into this year is we're being viewed as not a basketball power. When, when we entered the big sky – we were. We were two or three seed in the whack for a couple of years going in. We were preseason number one just uh, stone's throw years ago. Now we're last place. To me, as a the casual Vandal basketball fan, bothers me. I don't find it acceptable, but I don't see enough people complaining about it either. So maybe I'm one too many Montucky Gold Snacks deep, but that bothers me and i was just getting the professional opinion the women's team's rolling the women's team oh, yeah. if it's not broke don't fix it so there's nothing to complain about there but i'm going one there that's is, is another thing we should just plug is that the women's team is doing so well shouldn't we hold the men's team to the same standard yeah so the answer that i have to that and i guess let, let me say it a different way i was trying to not filibuster for an entire show <laughs> while i was trying to log in so the so phase one is I think two years ago, when that was the that was the you know Cam Tyson, Jared Rodriguez team, Verlins last year, I think people were willing to cut slack to that team in a way that maybe we wish they did not, because we lost I think it was like eight players to graduation, and typically a team's not going to lose two thirds of your roster as graduating seniors. So by we had no choice but to either have a ton of JUCO or a ton of freshmen. Verlin went the freshman route and won people were, I think were willing to write off as like, Hey, these are underclassmen. But what it turned out is not only were they underclassmen, the, the D one players we had left. And then the other freshmen from that roster, like the jury's in, they're not, they weren't D one players there. And when I say that, I mean, two years out they're almost none of them other than Jared Rodriguez, Raekwon Mitchell and Cam Tyson. None of those other guys are on D one rosters. So then the next season, after being as bad as we were, 
I think a ton of people saw, hey, we don't have a ton coming back. And it was like, okay, well, hey, it's a weird first year for a head coach. Maybe we'll, you know, temper expectations. They're trying harder, something like that. I know I wish people didn't have exactly that view, but that's just kind of what happened. Uh, we had an awful season with really a lot of swings and misses on recruits. Then we had a weird season for Klaus's first year and we had the financial difficulties, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's, that is your explanation for why, why isn't there more outrage about uh, this is our third year now where again, like you were correct in the Vic Sanders, BJ Blake year, we were preseason number one and now we're consecutive years preseason, you know, number 11. So as, as the basketball guy, do you find the apathy towards this, I'm, it, I mean, is that what it is? Are we just – I I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I just feel like – I mean, I we, know just went from, yeah, we just went from being a top, a consistent top four team to now just being like nobody's even like yelling at the hills that we got voted for two years in a row now, last place. Yeah. Or we not picked last place last year. But I guess to uplift, and you might have covered like I said, I didn't catch the whole preview. I was watching a playoff game. But do we have yeah. a Vic Sanders? Do we have a Kyle Barone? Do we have one of those four-year guys on this team that you can see within the next year or two elevates us to that? And I know you guys were about to get in the hashtag tubs, so I don't know if mine I asked on here are the only ones or if you have some on Twitter, but yeah, I well, and we, then I'll, I'll leave it there. We were trying to respect the hour mark, which we just I crossed. saw that. We just crossed. Yeah, so. Just crossed. so in short, we did I talk had, about that. I had 20 minutes. I'm just kidding. We we'll did. <laughs> We did talk about the new recruits. We have a mix. We have a nice mix of um, Juco of some Juco, some freshmen who are our candidates. And like essentially, your point is correct. We have a few guys returning that are complementary pieces, but those guys need to complement something. And if we're going to be a good team, it's because we are going to have to. If we're going to be an okay team, even because the big sky, we, we have some institutions getting pretty strong. Like we talk about Montana and Eastern Washington, but Montana State looks like they hit a home run with their new head coach, Southern Utah. They're not going to win the conference, but they're getting a little bit better each year. And Weber State, we, should, we can expect that after a down year where they retooled, that they're going to get a little bit better. Um, or Sorry, not a little bit better. We, could, we should reasonably expect Weber's going to go back to at least top third of the conference. For us to be solid, we're going to have to hit a home run with a couple guys this year. We're going to have to get a couple. To, we're going to have to see those, whether it's a junior college get you know, one of the junior college guys like AJ Youngman or DeAndre Robinson or Kendall McHugh, who are just impact players right off the bat, or whether we see guys like Hunter Jack Madden or Ethan Kilgore, who they're solid right off the bat. We know we've got him for or four Or don't years. forget Gabe Quinnett. Maybe he takes another – maybe he has a huge sophomore jump and just decides to kind of jump up uh, and get another play. No, nah, I, I think he's he, – I mean, he's, I think he's <laughs> okay. a complimentary player. He's a he's a complimentary player. He's a good shooter. He's he's not going to yeah. be an all all league. He's not an all league t- type talent. Like I love that he's on the team, and he oh, yeah. he adds value, but he, he's not an all league t- uh, talent. Is Chance another one of those guys that's going to be another comp- complimentary player? Chance I'm, is a he's a great story, but I, we've seen him for multiple years. If he yeah. was going to be if he was going to you know be a twelve point a game score, we would have seen it by now. He's just not. He's again he's another great story. Really happy yeah. that he's on the team. And every, you know, not every team, not every player on every team can be, you know, scoring 20 points a game. Oh, yeah. So, again, uh, it's great to have Chance on the team. He's not mm-hmm. an all-big sky talent. He's not going to make an all-big sky yeah. team. He's not going to be the thing that makes us, you know, finish top half of the conference. 
No. Anyways, I don't. I want to hijack this episode. Can't wait no, to it's listen back and hear about how you. There ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack. Well, you're and here for I'll, the last question, and then we're we're done. Oh well, so I doubt I have nothing to add. I was going to shout out Carly Wilson and then just bounce. But sure, let's let's answer the question. Well, what we were answering was Kurt Christensen hashtag ask tubs. Ask tubs Thank how you, the ICCU arena stack up against other Big Sky venues, and the answer is like I'm not being a homer. I, I pay attention to Big Sky Arenas. I've been in a few of them, too. There's only one to compete with. I mean, it's Portland State. And yeah. We're newer and bigger and, I mean, more expensive. <laughs> it's us. <laughs> so the cool thing that both Idaho so, – and jury's in. Portland State and Idaho will be the top two uh, venues in the conference. One, both, uh, both Portland State and Idaho did the right thing. Attendance is down nationwide, and we – we built reasonably sized facilities. Portland State's 3,000 for them. We're 4,200 max capacity. That's the right call for us. You know, if at 4,200, we would have sold that out on the WSU game a couple of years ago, but we like we wouldn't be averaging a sellout. So to me, that's the right call. Uh, facility wise, one, uh, Portland State, they made their, they built their arena to look kind of, it's supposed to look like a ship on the inside. Have that like kind of steep rising on both sides, like that's purposeful because they're the Vikings. We have, you know, the nod to Idaho's timber industry, you know, through the through the exposed timber. It also has, you know, Idaho. I, yeah, it has kind of a on the outside, you know, outside looking in. Of course, it's got a little. Its architecture is a little bit more modern. Um, if you're into that, that's fantastic. I don't think it looks ugly by any means. I care about what's inside, and we finally have men's basketball facilities. We uh, men's and women's for practice because I mean, right now, I don't know if you, you saw on their Twitter. The men's team, they're practicing at the SRC. And I mean, we, you know, the women have, I, I don't know where the women are practicing, but in the typical season, like some, uh, sometimes they have to practice at the PEB and that's just not a fantastic option. We're not going to, we're not going to have practice space where we're trying to share with volleyball, men's basketball and women's basketball when the season starts. It's just basketball. And that's, that's a huge step up for us. But uh, again, quality too. We're going to have the nicest looking place to, to me. No question. Um, you know, Montana Dahlberg's a nice place. It probably needs a little bit of renovation. Weber state's a nice place. Uh, no, not, neither of those particularly new, but of the older, bigger ones, I'd say those it, are those the are more ho- hollowed grounds as it were. I mean, if you're going to win the big sky, those are traditionally places you have to go in and win. And they have that going for them. Yeah. I mean, not, not the prettiest site, but the fact is it's, there's winning in that building and you got to overcome that. But and the, I agree with the, you. It's we have the nicest. And the last comparison too is obviously we don't even need to talk about Sacramento state. It's smaller than most, than a lot of high school uh, gymnasiums. So Sacramento state there, the jury's in, that's the worst place as far as facilities. So much money to waste. Yeah. Um, Idaho state just made the right call last season where they moved out of Holt arena and into Reed Court, which is kind of like their version of Mem Gym, except it seats it's it's much better for you know seating. Yeah, it seats over a thousand. It seats I think a couple thousand, uh, but it's an it's an older facility. So if you if you like kind of the retro look, it, that I actually really do like Reed Gym, and Mem Gym if it's seated more would be a nice option B, but it doesn't, and it's certainly not set up to add seating. So that's that's how it is. NAU has a similar setup now where they're not always playing at the walk of sky dome, which they shouldn't anyway. They have another, they have facilities similar to Idaho States, but it doesn't look as nice in terms of like being retro. Uh, Montana state plays at the brick, which is a rodeo facility, 
which happens to have a basketball court in there too. So I'm not, I wouldn't write home about Montana state, Eastern Washington's pretty nice. Um, you know, I'd put them similar class of like Dahlberg and, um, and Weber state, but again, juries. Oh, whoa. Fact check 3000, not 2000 at region, but again, juries in, we, we will have the best facilities in the conference and I don't think it's going to be that close. And my take on it real quick before we get to Martin, uh, I think, and you kind of hit on it there. Just be proud. I mean, we raised what was this thing? Fourteen million? No, it's more than that. Forty-four, right? Like a handful uh, more, multiple, multiple million. And then you look at what you had to. We forty-four. Eastern Washington's struggling to fundraise fourteen million for their new stadium reservation. And then you look at you touched on Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado already has like four point three million dollars raised for a new strength and conditioning center. So you look at Idaho and you go look. As far as the big sky goes, this is the most financial, like one of the larger undertakings the conference has taken in a while, probably since Montana's champion center or maybe Montana State's closing of the bowl. So you just got to be proud as an alumni that as far as the big sky goes, we're one of the ones really pushing the envelope as far as facilities. So when it comes to basketball, yeah, I mean, Portland State, we just talked about them, their gym. But this gym is going to be a huge difference maker for all sports, not just basketball. The fact that we got it done and it's going to be one of the nicest facilities helps out every sport. It helps the conference as a whole. And so as an alumni, I'm proud that we were able to do something that a lot of big sky schools, unfortunately aren't able to fund that type of money. And though a lot of it was through a sponsorship through ICCU, I mean, we're in a really good spot with it. And I think we should be incredibly proud and I hope even someone like myself, who's not the biggest basketball guy, I will be at that opening game and I will probably buy tickets for that opening season. And I hope that's what it gets across to a lot of people is to start believing again in Vandal basketball, which is why I'm being so hard on that last place ranking is you're a year away from a gym opening. Let's get the excitement going. This is the year to make a push. Mm-hmm. It is. And you, you know, Chris, you, your timing, you actually jumped in right after Martin had given his take. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, yeah, listeners yeah. have, they have all three of, they have all three of us, mm-hmm. which means we yeah. are, we're ready, <laughs> we're ready to close the bar. What's well, on my podcast? That's on you guys. Adios. All right. Peace. So we are close. Chris, great to have you. That was a quick exit, too. So mm-hmm. close the bar. Quick reminder, guys, uh, men's and women's team tip off this Thursday against Sacramento State, and then Saturday against Sacramento State. Martin, before we call the day, anything you anything you want to make sure all of our listeners know about life uh, with a tromboner? Uh, I'd say just follow me on follow keep following me maybe follow me on Twitter. If kind of watch, I'll be I'll probably be live tweeting my reactions to the games this Thursday and Saturday. I know I'm actually going to watch the games on. I'm going to be watching the games again. Chris, do you want thumbs up? You want us to? Do you want to join back in? Okay. Okay. Oh, and- yeah. And I think I think we're just going to be. I think it'll be. I'm just excited to be able to watch again. Follow follow me on Twitter at hemi underscore seventy one to uh, keep up with all my uh, women's basketball takes and just my fandom with them. And I'll probably be talking about the team again. I'll probably be given keep talking about them all again. So one, we probably need to have a Big Sky Podcast Network discussion to turn our game direct messages into just tweets. 
to, mm-hmm. so that we have some people engaged with, uh, because we have some pretty lively in-game threads that we should probably just invite other people to join. But you guys can find me at Brian Marceau. That's M-A-R-C-E-A-U on Twitter. Uh, don't worry about anything else that I have because I never post anything except cat pictures. And <laughs> yeah, the thing I got going is Vandal football starts. Uh, Vandal basketball starts. I want to be football, but Vandal basketball starts. And we at least have real games we'll be talking about. We're going to we'll record in a couple more weeks to give you guys updates. And now it's time for the best band in all the land to take us out. Sound the of Beer Idaho. song. Okay, the beer Woo! song. We're not Sound of Idaho. I'm a filthy liar. The beer song. Go Vandal. Yeah.